What is up guys, welcome to the 10th episode of Starting Blank. I'm your host, Sam Lister, and I have a very special guest with me today. Her name is Lois Duncan, and she is just an absolute wizard of self-development and entrepreneurship and all of this good stuff. But without me explaining what exactly she does and butchering that job, I'm gonna take it to you, Lois. How's it going? Uh, fabulous, thank you for having me. <laughs> Wonderful. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you, thank you for coming on. So let's let's start off with your background, kind of. Who are you, what you do, um, and just give the audience a little background about who you are. Okay, so I um, grew up in Kentucky. I was born in Ohio, but I spent most of my life in Kentucky. Uh, so a true Southern girl, uh, kind of really conservative values. Um, I went to college and actually studied um, advertising and psychology, which is what I've done my entire career. So I've always worked um, in what I went to school for, and I know most people don't do that. <laughs> Um, but I've been really, really blessed to have an amazing career. I've always been an entrepreneur. I've always kind of owned my own company or had my own freedom and autonomy at work, which was something that was really, really important to me. Um, but I spent the first part of my life doing the whole what's expected of you thing. So I um, had a career and the company and I had a family and had kids and, and um, really became a master at marketing and advertising and I've been doing it for almost 30 years so uh, a long time and I'm really good at it and uh, then in the last few and I've always been kind of a little bit of a self-development um, guru as well I mean that's always been my thing when I was um, in third grade I was um, tested it and put into a program for gifted kids that I spent um, third grade through 12th grade uh, one day a week going to a project for students accelerated in learning and um, that really set me up um, I was introduced to um, a lot of really great um, techniques of visualization creative visualization um, uh, Buddhism Taoism meditation and a lot of things that were very um, uh, out of the box for a very conservative Kentucky <laughs> and I consider those to be some of the greatest gifts of my life um, because I've always kind of been on the path of self-development I've always been a seeker um, but I've also always been caught up in the world of material and things and and uh, trying to collect all the things that we want in life yeah and so I've been down that path and then the last three years I've had this huge uh, uh, transformation and shift and really have gone deep uh, into the esoteric and kind of um, changing the way that we do things on the planet, shifting paradigms and really getting into self-development at a much deeper level. Yeah, so it, it's I think it's pretty profound that you've like been obsessed with this like self-development um, kind of mindset ever since really a young young age, you said, third through twelfth grade essentially. And I think that's something in a very traditional school system, whether it's Kentucky, Milwaukee, just around the globe, the school system doesn't teach that um, yes. to to the best of its its abilities. Like being being so young what was kind of going through your mind seeing everyone around you like catch catch the drift essentially and like fall into their ways of thinking like what separated you um well i have always been a bit of a trailblazer always been a rebel um always kind of that i have two brothers and a sister and i've always been kind of a, the rebellious trailblazer different <laughs> kid in the family um and I think that um, for a long time it separated me out and I didn't like it um, and so I tried really extra hard to fit in 
and crave connection. But what I realized is it ended up being one of my greatest gifts. And I think that um, today that's so common in kids. I mean, their kids are really that rebellious spirit is coming back and it really serves, it really serves you in life. Um, but at the time, it was it was different because I was always a, a little different. And I wish I think what's missing in our schools is we teach kids, you know, to read, write, and do math, and and um, critical thinking skills. I mean, that's what they're trying to teach you. But they're not teaching you that it all starts with your inner journey and your inner self, and it's all connected together. And I think that the school systems are missing some of the major components of what we need to really be successful in life. And uh, so. It, it excites me to see so many young people taking an interest in self-development at such a, a young age and really having open minds to look at um, and change things because and a lot of people my age are just so closed in the way that they are and, um, and so I find myself spending a lot more time with young people and really because I feel like I can shift their mindset and help them get on a path um, uh, that creates freedom and peace on earth for all of us and shifts the way that we're doing things because a lot of stuff in our society isn't working, especially our education system. Yeah. So. I think I think the the fascinating thing of like the generations gap essentially it's like I, I talk to a lot of people much older than me, um, 40s, 50s, 60s, and it's just such an interesting dynamic having conversations with them because most of the time if they like don't know who I am we just have a random conversation say at a networking event their guard is immediately up because their mindset immediately goes to I know way more than this random kid and like you can I can just feel that and I feel like a lot of kids struggle with that um, but then as we get to talking and like I I share valuable information that they don't think about they're like they kind you can just physically see them like settle in like oh I was I had my guard up I was so protective of who I am and like what I know and I wasn't open to this this random kid that approached me um, and I think that's like beat into kids like from a very very young age of um, re respect your elders like you're like don't don't question like the, your parents teachers all of these like authority figures and obviously there's a balance there and you you brought up the rebellious kids and how they're essentially coming back um, and I think it's definitely a double-edged sword like those are the kids that will make a big change in the world because they're not scared to bash against the walls a little bit exactly Re reflecting back on like your your childhood what's one of your like favorite moments that you're you knew that like I'm going against the grain here. Like I'm bashing into into a few more walls than maybe I can handle, or any experiences of that. Um, I, you know, in kindergarten, <laughs> I actually snuck out of class one day uh, with me and one of my friends, and uh, we like hid in the bathroom all day. I mean, I've always been we and we just had a blast. I mean, I've always been um, a, kind of a a. Uh, out-of-the-box kind of kid I mean I just have never been one that fell in line and followed along with everybody else so I've also always been kind of a leader it's something I just was having a conversation with my son about you know um, he's very much a leader he's he just turned 18 yesterday and he's very much a leader and because because he has the ability to influence people and lead people he also has the ability to influence people in the wrong direction and so um, it's really important to uh, when you are a trailblazer and you're breaking the rules to learn and do it for the right reasons. Yeah. And and I and I think that you know I um, fortunately for me I was never I never did drugs I never drank alcohol I never I never went down any of those roads I was never uh, interested in those kind of things 
Um, so I'm grateful for that. Yeah, so. I, I think that's that's such a fascinating like dynamic of like we we have these quote unquote troublemakers in school. Like we we, we hear all the time like drug dealers are the ultimate like entrepreneurs and like it's it's the same mindset it's just a shift of focus so how can we get kids to focus on the important things in life in in this like let's tie it into like the self-development side of things um with with what you've seen throughout your kids throughout working with younger people maybe what are your top like two or three tips or focuses for self-development and how to encompass and create this self-development mindset so we, we can break it down one by one. So I don't know if you know this, but I owned a parenting magazine for 17 years. I did not so, know that. Yeah, so that's what I did. I uh, published, uh, I worked for a parenting magazine, and then I owned a parenting magazine. And so basically every day I uh, was writing the book on how to be a parent. And so I felt this enormous pressure to be this really great parent. But what my ultimate goal as a parent, and what I said I will feel like I'm a success as a parent if I can raise creative, independent thinkers. Mm -hmm. Um, Kids that know how to think for themselves because all innovation happens outside of the box. Um, If everybody just does and falls in line, then we don't evolve as a society. We don't evolve as a culture. Uh, If everybody's just, you know, going to school, getting a job, doing the nine to five, coming home, you know, taking the kids to soccer, um, then life gets mundane and boring and we don't continue to grow and expand. So teaching my kids to be um, really creative, independent thinkers and, and, and seeing young people that can learn the basics. I mean, you still need to know how to read and write and do math, but you also need to learn how to think outside the box to become creative, independent thinkers um, and, and have an entrepreneurial spirit, a spirit of adventure and wanting to grow and expand and to think outside the box. Um, and I think that that's important uh, to have um, the right things as goals, though. And so it's really tapping into... Um, the thing that bothers me, I guess, today is the music that kids listen to is um, it desensitizes them to harming themselves and harming others and doing things that are harmful for your bodies. And what I would love to see is a bunch of young, entrepreneurial, rebellious kids that get really excited about taking care of their bodies, eating right, um, coming back to the things that really matter, taking care of our planet. We, we live on this beautiful earth that has every resource that we could possibly ever need. Yet we've commoditized it and turned it into where we have to pay for air now. I mean, we have to pay for water. We have to pay for all these things that flow abundantly on our planet. And we've turned everything into an opportunity to make money and greed. And what I would love to see is um, young adults and young entrepreneurs that get on fire uh, and just ignite a passion in their soul to save our planet, Mm -hmm. to take care of our bodies, to save the animals and recognize that all life on the planet, you know, all sentient beings on this planet have a right to be here and really get passionate about that and start being able to have discernment between the things that they're doing, drugs, um, there are a lot of illicit drugs out there that are really bad for you. There's also, so I am really deep into the plant medicine path, and um, those drugs, they're not drugs, they're medicines, I consider them medicines, have changed my life. And I think that basically everybody on the planet should do them, um, but I think that drugs like um, crack and meth and cocaine and things like that, those are all low vibrational things that bring people down. 
and they, they steal their spirit, they numb them out to the things that really matter in life. And then I think that there are, are plant medicines that wake you up to what really matters in life and open you up and allow you to see the value of coming back to oneness and, and of love and making uh, and living from a space where you're motivated by love and peace and, and a desire to create harmony on our planet as opposed to a lot of the, the influences that kids have that take them down a path of greed and destruction and violence and, and um, things that are just not good for them. Yeah, and I, I think that like it's, it's definitely a big pyramid. Like It starts with like government and big business and, and all of this, th this vicious cycle essentially. And you've, you've been in marketing for 30 years, um, and that's more than a, a lot of people. And um, you, you've seen it all, I, I would imagine. Um, you, have, you have a new book coming out. Yes, I am writing a book right now. Um, and it's something that actually came to me during a plant medicine journey. Um, and one of the things I realized is that I've been in marketing and advertising for my entire career. And marketing is basically manipulation. I mean, that's all it is, is learning how to, I have a degree in psychology, and I love the psychology of, the, of how the mind works. So there's a ton of... Um, thought that's put into the psychology of color, like what makes people buy, what makes people, you know, not buy, what makes them, you know, what makes them feel comfortable, like the words we use, how we, and so marketing is basically all manipulation. And um, a few years ago, I was in a plant medicine ceremony, and I was really feeling convicted about the fact that I'd spent my entire life uh, manipulating people into buying products and services. I've made a lot of money for myself. I've made a lot of money for a lot of people marketing products and creating like uh, this fear of missing out if you don't buy this product and, and really tapping into people's scarcity mindsets. And, and I realized that um, that's not serving us as a humanity and as, as people um, to continue to feed the greed and the consumerism and the, and the fear of missing out and the scarcity mindset um, that causes us to do whatever to, to be able to have. And, and it doesn't matter. One of the things that the business rules that bothers me the most is do whatever, you know, step on anybody, screw somebody over before they screw you over kind of thing. And that's the mentality we get to get away from because it isn't serving us. And um, I work with a lot of life coaches and, and conscious entrepreneurs now because I made the conscious decision to only work with businesses that are doing good in the world. That um, I'm launching a new company called Miyaki Tribe Collective and it's about putting a little piece of your soul and love and creativity and all that you create and put out in the world. Um, because I believe that what we pour ourselves into we're leaving a bit of ourselves into that. So I now choose only clients that are conscious and conscious businesses. Um, but even so, a lot of the, 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 the conscious um, like life coaches and mindset coaches and business coaches out there and the entrepreneurial coaches, they use a scarcity mindset in their marketing. They're like, oh, the cart closes tonight. You have to have it by this time. And, and they create this fear, and they're using fear-based marketing. And what I would like to see is an unmarketing of the American people where we, and I'd like to create a call to action for young people and for businesses and for conscious um, business owners to come back to um, a love-based marketing where we are putting it out there and we're, we're putting products and services out there that are benefiting our environment, that are benefiting our people, that are benefiting our bodies, that are, that are taking care of our customers and our, our um, employees and that, that are operating from a conscious mindset that um, we can shift away from the stuff that's harming us as a society. And so my book is going to be about um, 
you know, the ways that we use marketing to manipulate people and how to break through that and how to market from a space of love. Um, heart marketing, something different. So, so reflecting back on your life, um, is, was there any like defining moment that you went through that really like profoundly changed your life? Like, was there was there any like staple moment of struggle or pain or fear um, that you've gone through that that you would want to open up um, to people to help create a, a truly vulnerable and open environment for others to share? Um, definitely. I mean, I think that for most of my life, I did what was expected of me. I had the business and the family, and um, I grew up in Kentucky, and I was raised very conservatively. Uh, my parents are very Christian, and I'm very grateful for that. So I love and I appreciate that they are. I don't believe the way that they do um, now, um, and that was very challenging for me because it created a lot of cognitive dissonance. I had a lot of of uh, fear because I was raised in a very fear-based, judgmental lifestyle. And so I spent most of my life feeling like no matter how much I excelled, it was never enough. And um, as a result, I got really sick. So I was diagnosed with lupus um, and for many, many years, on top of running a company and raising kids and all the things I was dealing with, um, my body was basically destroying itself. And so I was dealing with serious, serious illness. And pretty much every conversation anybody had with me was about how sick I was and what doctors, I was in and out of hospitals. I was on so many different medications and I just continued to get sicker and sicker and sicker. And I got to the point where I was really struggling with um, even wanting to be alive at times. I mean, like really, um, my life looked really amazing on the outside because I have this big looking good conversation where I want everybody to think it's perfect all the time. And it was, it was far from it. And then my family went through a really terrible crisis. And uh, my brother um, was dealing with some mental illness and some substance abuse, and um, he had some really horrible things happen to him in his life. And he uh, flipped out, and uh, he stabbed both my parents. And then he killed himself uh, about six months later, uh, after spending six months in a you know in a mental institution. And that was devastating for me because. I had a magazine that went home with every kid in 13 counties in the state of Kentucky. Um, I, I, people knew me all over, you know, that, that everybody had watched me, my kids, me raise my kids and my kids grow up through the magazine and, and um, so I couldn't go anywhere that people didn't know about that. And it really, um, it was, it was humiliating and embarrassing and, and uh, I, so what I did is the typical thing, I'm a runner, <laughs> I ran. Um, I packed up my family, I sold all my businesses, I closed my magazine down, and we moved to Florida. where We didn't know a single person, nobody, and I basically started over. I kind of went really deep into hermit mode for a long time, uh, where I just spent time running. I ran 2,000 miles that year, and two marathons, a ton of half marathons. I just like, poured myself into um, my kids and my family and kind of hiding from the world and in the process I continued to get sicker and sicker and sicker until eventually I had a heart attack in the middle of a race and uh, and then I kind of went into liver failure and I was um, 
not I was not doing well. I was a single mom at the time. After I moved to Florida, my relationship with my um, son's father ended after 13 years, and and I became a single mom. And I was just grinding all the time and deeply unhappy in my soul. And um, but trying to make everybody think it was great because <laughs> that's what you do. And um, my daughter was uh, about to head off to college. She uh, was very fortunate and got to study abroad for her first year of college. She did her um, the FYA program in FSU, and so she got to go to Spain. And right before she left, um, she I caught her smoking pot. And I was devastated because I thought, <laughs> gateway drug, she's going to be a meth addict on the street. I've failed as a parent. Um, and on that same day, I had been to my doctor who told me that I needed a liver transplant. And... Um, and that was a really, uh, really, really scary time for me. And he told me that I was going to have to go on long-term prednisone and take prednisone for the rest of my life. And that's a steroid that does really terrible things to your body. And I was already taking tons of medications. And, and um, I was like, absolutely not. I'm not taking it because you're going to die without it. And I said, well, I'd rather die than be fat because it makes you like swell up and all this stuff. And I said, I'm not doing that. I'm not taking that and there has to be another way. And then that night I caught my daughter smoking pot, which I thought was like the, you know. Epitome of. That was the epitome of I have failed at life. She is gonna be a failure, yeah. I'm a failure. I'm a failure, my kids have been smoking pot, my, my straight A, you know, she's, she's <laughs> a super, you know, top of her class student and really great girl. And, and I was devastated. So for a few days I didn't talk to her and finally she came to me and she said, I wanna explain to you why I smoke pot. And she said, there's all this research. She's type 1 diabetic. She said, it helps me maintain my blood sugar. It helps me focus. I have six AP classes. I'm studying all the time. She goes, I don't, I'm not doing it for pleasure. I'm not doing it out at parties. I'm not doing it for entertainment. I'm doing it for a purpose. And can I show you the research? And she said, and by the way, I want you to know what I want to do is, you know, I want to be a doctor. You know, I want to um, do research. But what I want to study is ethnobotanicals and psychopharmacology which I had never it's, heard of those words. It, it, explain <laughs> that on, on, a, on a normal human level that so, people understand. <laughs> I didn't understand what that was either. I literally never heard those words before. And she said plant medicines. And, and she said, I believe that for every ailment on this planet, there's a plant medicine that has a cure. And she had watched me struggle and she had watched me go through severe depression to the point that I was almost suicidal. However, I would have never killed myself because I don't. My parents couldn't survive having t losing two kids to suicide. So I, you know, and, and plus I had two beautiful children that needed me. And um, but she'd watched me struggle, and so she actually kind of found it looking for a, a solution for me. And she's like, Mom, I think that you know, if you you're so close-minded, if you just open your mind a little bit, and maybe you should sit with some plant medicine, sit with a shaman, you know, they're curing, you know, there's all these stories where they're curing autoimmune disease and all these things, and, and if you just took a chance, you know, what would it hurt? And I was like, what is it? And she's like, well, it's a psychedelic. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a plant medicine, and you, it's a psychedelic, and I'm like, well, Haley, I don't do drugs, and I'm never going to, because I literally, I don't drink alcohol, I don't smoke, I, you know, I don't smoke, I don't do, I don't do any drugs, I never have, I've never been called to do that, and, um, and she said, you know, I just wish you would just think about it, and it kind of in a random, really crazy turn of event, events a few weeks later, I was talking to my best friend at the time, and, and I asked her if she'd ever heard of ayahuasca, because my daughter said she thought I should do ayahuasca, mm -hmm. and she's like, uh, oh my gosh, no way, we're doing it next weekend, you should come. <laughs> and and um, 
turns out they didn't have space in the ceremony for me, so it, it wasn't going to work out. And the night before the ceremony, she called me and she goes, I don't know why, but I've decided you're going to go instead of me. And so I went uh, just on a whim, not knowing anything about it and not having any idea. And what happened after that was this profound, incredible healing. And that's a very long story to go into, so I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to do that. But I experienced a profound healing. I sat with ayahuasca in San Pedro and Sananga. Um, I went through this deep purge, and these medicines allowed me to see my shadows, my darkness, the things in me that still needed to heal. And it also allowed me to see that everything that had happened in my life up until this point was absolutely perfect. And it all happened for a reason. It all happened to get me to the point so that I could spend the rest of my life in service to um, changing the way that we do, shifting paradigms on this planet, changing the way that we do things and bringing um, society and humanity back to um, love and back to, I think it's all a return to love and to um, peace and harmony and I think it's possible on our planet. And I know I, I, I get called Kumbaya and Pollyanna and, and I look at the, at the world through rose-colored glasses now, but I really want to live in a world where we have peace and where peace is possible and where we operate from a space of love. And that means, for me, marketing is my thing. That's what I'm really good at. So that means that I take my life and the things that I can do in my life and my gifts and I use them to give back to the world and create the world that I wish to see. So I want to be the change that I want to see in the world and I want to see us shift how we do marketing. I want us to see, shift how we do medicine I want us to make changes in our school system so kids can learn meditation. I was so blessed to be in Project Cell yeah. and learn meditation and visualization and stuff like that from the time I was in third grade. Um, that was one of the greatest gifts of my life, to, to have those tools. Um, although I spent most of my life battling the cognitive dissonance between oh the Eastern and the Western and what was right and if this was you know blasphemy and if mm -hmm. I was going to go to hell and all that stuff. And um, in that first medicine ceremony I made peace with all that just like that just so dropped it and all the cognitive dis and I knew that all of the struggles of my life were the greatest gifts yeah. those were what because I didn't overcome all of them mm -hmm. and I pushed through them and now I believe that all that pain that I suffered um, is my greatest power um, all of those things that I went through are the things that propel me forward and that ignite the passion in my soul to make a change on this planet, to have my life matter. Now, I'm almost 50, so it took me a long time to get here. So if I can go out and I can find young adults that that they just, I think that the kids today coming in, they're different yeah. than the people were my, in my age. They're not all about, their hearts are softening and they're coming back to this wanting to be a collective and wanting to care for all and not wanting to see kids in cages and, and kids, you know, where people don't belong, but wanting to create a space where everybody belongs and everybody's free to be who they are and love who they want to love. And those are all things that I didn't believe in any of that. I was completely against all of that for most of my life because that's how I was raised. And now I see kids today, they just have such beautiful, soft hearts. And my generation thinks they're all pansies. You know, yeah. we make fun of them and they're, oh, the kids have gone soft. But you know what, that's what we need is kids with soft hearts that want to create a better world. Mm -hmm. And it's not sustainable with the greed and the consumerism and all the things that we're doing today. Um, we're going to run out of resources. We're going to run out of a place for people to stay and live. So 
sitting in that medicine ceremony created this massive shift in me. Um, from that ceremony, I went on to do combo, which is a frog medicine that they burn into your skin. Um, and I really believe it was the perfect storm of events to happen because in that first medicine ceremony, I let go and I cleared all of this stuck emotion. Um, the indigenous tribes believe that we carry seven generations back and seven generations forward. And most disease, addiction, anxiety, all the things that plague us so much in our society are caused from unsuppressed emotions. It's from taking all the stuff, the trauma, the anger, the hurt, the pain, even the littlest things and stuffing it down and not dealing with it. And not being, not having the ability to look at ourselves and look at situations and and creating all this pain and trauma and we become victims and so we become victims to life and we think life is happening to us and we get stuck in these stories of poor me and we lose our motivation for life and what happened to me in that moment is I suddenly realized that yeah I've had some really terrible things happen in my life and they were hard and that doesn't diminish the pain or the trauma that I suffered um, but I have the choice, I live my life at choice every day and I have a choice every day to wake up and decide how do I use that pain? Do I let life make me bitter or do I let life make me better? Do I let that pain say, oh my gosh, I have had this hard life and people need to feel sorry for me and you know, it's just life is so bad and there's no hope or do I say, you know what, this happened to me and I overcame it and now I can go out and I can use that to create a better world so that it stops with me. I break this cycle and it doesn't continue for another generation. As I heal for myself, I heal for the collective. And when I heal myself, I heal the wounds for my family and my lineage and, and, uh, and for my DNA going forward and the, for the future generations. And so at the end of the day, we can sit and tell everybody else <laughs> what they need to be doing, but it all starts with you yeah. and with me. Like I am responsible for how I show up in the world. I'm responsible for the energy that I bring to the world. I'm responsible for how I interpret the things that happen to me and therefore how I react to them. And I can choose to react out of fear and scarcity and I can choose to live my life from that space or I can choose to react out of love and compassion and peace and harmony and the things that really matter to me now, the mm -hmm. things that I desire for myself and for my children and for future generations to have. So I get to be a choice. And um, I went on to heal all of this emotional wounding and release all of it. And then I sat with the combo, the frog medicine, and I had this profound physical healing. And um, 15 years of tests, and, and I've had every test known to man and blood work almost every week um, to show how sick I was. Um, and I went back to the doctor and had my liver biopsy to get on the liver transplant list. Um, because, like I said, before all this started, my doctor, I was dying. Like, I was literally in liver failure. And um, I sat with the medicines, and then I went and had the liver biopsy, and the doctor called me a couple weeks later, and he's like, oh, my gosh, I can't explain this. He said, but your liver biopsy is non-remarkable, and your blood works normal for the first time in 15 years. Wow. And I threw all my medication in the trash. I haven't had a, I've been completely cured from lupus, which is, I was told, is an incurable disease. I have no symptoms and no signs, and I've been completely healthy and well. I, my mental acuity is back. I can, I mean, for years, I could barely string two thoughts together. And um, I'm just, I'm clear, mentally focused, I'm driven, I have a passion and a zest for life, and I want my life to matter now. 
And it really was this magical turn of events with catching my daughter smoking pot. <laughs> and then understanding that plant medicines, when used with the right intention, yeah. can be huge gifts and hugely healing. Um, when we learn about intention and we start doing um, conscious work, after I went through this whole process of the plant medicines, I came on to gratitude training and started down that path. Um, which is a really great self-development self program, leadership program that created even more shifts in me because it allowed me to really look at myself and see myself in a way um, that I could see my blind spots and my shadows. And then from there I got turned on to Gene Keys, which was another tool. I have so many tools um, that I use to really um, empower me now and lift me up. And so my life is not perfect. And I don't claim to be anymore. I mean, I actually live fully authentically as me. And I have lots of challenges and lots of struggles. And um, I love them all. Like, I, I look at my life now, and regardless of the external circumstances of my life, I have peace in my soul. And I come from a space of I know that everything is a gift. Everything is happening for me to teach me to get to my highest and best self. And when you learn to stop struggling against life and get out of victim mode, then you can really empower yourself and others to really go out and change the world. So that's that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at right now, and it's been a beautiful, amazing process. That is, there's so many profound circumstances and moments in your life that I, I appreciate you opening up and and sharing with with the world about those struggles because I think ever like from a very very young age we're constantly told like who we need to look like who we need to be in this whole sphere of self-development and self-awareness more so than self-development it's just like gone and fake um like I i've i've definitely struggled with putting on masks to look good in front of others and i think so so many kids are at this stage right now specifically in in high school they they want to fit into the quote-unquote cool groups and they do anything they can to fit in and i can just speak from first-hand experience that's exactly how my high school went like i i always like pride myself of fitting into any group I could because I could always just put on different masks to fit into the older group, the younger group, whatever it is, but I was never truly authentically me. I always wanted to look good in front of others. I always wanted to be perfect. And that's like the reason why I'm starting this podcast so we can have conversations like this to really dig deep into hey, it's it's okay to sit with that fear, sit with that pain and struggle and everything that you go through. And that's something, it's just very stigmatized right now. Vulnerability is looked at as a weakness. It's looked at as as a, a leverage point for others to combat you and tear your, your building down, essentially. Um, I, I just want you to, to speak on that a little bit. I know you have younger kids. Um, you you do a lot of work in, in high schools and stuff. Um, what are like one or two tactical pieces of advice you can give to those kids that are struggling with putting on masks and trying to fit in everywhere and to truly be themselves? And I was a master chameleon. I was always a social butterfly, all mm -hmm. I cared about. And I was um, being gifted and being separated out with the smart kids. Um, labels you a certain way. Um, I also run cross country and track and, and so I wanted to be 
I wanted to be a sporty girl. You know, mm -hmm. I wanted to be an athlete and fit in because in the town that I grew up in, the cheerleaders and the runners and the athletes were like little, you know, they were the, everybody wanted to be them. They were the cliques. They were the cliques yep. and those were the popular kids and that's who I spent most of my time with. But I was very much a chameleon and I got to be a master at putting on masks. Um, and I did that for a really long time, just morphing into whoever I needed to be. And the thing about it is when you do that and you go around somebody and you know you're not being authentically you, it creates this little sense of that you're out of integrity with yourself. Mm -hmm. And these little feelings come up and you know, you know when you're, even when you're in high school, when you're doing things that you shouldn't, or when you're acting in a way that um, hurts other people. Let's say your best friend is not there one night and you're with a group of uh, other teenagers and kids and you're sitting around and they all start talking about her. If you sit there and you're quiet, then you're basically complicit and you know that in your soul and that makes you out of an integrity yourself so that starts that feeling that I don't trust myself and that's where all those conversations of I'm not enough start is in those little moments when you don't have the courage to stand up and say and this is something that I taught my because I had this situation come up with my daughter with a group of friends at our house one day and and I told her I said you know if she's your friend you stand up and defend her you know, and that's what you do. And so she did. She said, you know, she's my friend and I, I love her and I'm not going to talk about her, but behind her back. Mm -hmm. And that saves that little sense of integrity. We have such fear to do that because in our society, sometimes you stand up and you're going to get, you know, punched in the face and yeah. you're going to get hurt and there's a physical, so it creates fear. So that's the basis of where all of that starts. These conversations of I can't be me, I can't be myself, I have to hide who I am. And then, in turn, it creates um, all this inner turmoil that we just stuff down, and we stuff down, and we stuff down, and eventually we lose who we are. And because we're trying so hard to fit in in society, and um, I don't, I, I, I think it comes back to parents, the school systems. There's a lot of things that need to happen. Um, you having this podcast and just putting this information out there um, there's a lot of things that need to happen to create a shift so that people can see this uh, and see that when we do little things like that that's where all these conversations start that keep us from being our best in life and keep us playing small in life and keep us from having our lives happen and keep us going down the wrong path of destruction and you know and misery and I honestly believe that we were meant to live on this planet and live in joy at all times and live a life and we've 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 gone away we have so many religions that are fear-based and they're all about fear and, and punishment and doing wrong and and um, you know it's all punitive and it's all like there's just there's all these negative consequences for this and that and you have to be this and you have to be that and somehow we get to shift those conversations and it starts with just being aware aware and really looking at yourself and all self um, development starts with awareness and being able to look at yourself and see who you are and how you're showing up in the world and that's why I love to see that there's a lot of programs popping up that are giving people opportunities and I'd love to see more of them available I'd love to see them in schools and, and people coming in and, and, and giving opportunities for kids to hear this stuff and to learn it at a young age because the parents aren't doing it. The parents are out there busy, you know, do, living their lives and doing their things and they're, the kids are, a lot of kids are just raising themselves these days. And so I, um, I don't have the answers, but it's something that's really heavy on my heart right now. 
because I have an 18-year-old and a 21-year-old, and I have to say, um, I'm really proud of my kids. They're both super creative, independent thinkers. They're both little trailblazers. They're kind of rebellious, which means they're handful sometimes. <laughs> they don't agree with me, and then they remind me that you said we get to choose our own path, and <laughs> and so I. I don't always, sometimes I want them to believe my way or think my way and then I realize that they get to be themselves and they get to show up authentic, authentically and if I'm saying this and I'm you're constantly you know, spouting out you know, how I think we ought to get to be authentic, then I get to create that space for them to be as well. And so it, once again it comes back to if I live my life in such a way that it, it shows people who I am and what I want to create in the world, then I create the space for others to do the same. One of my favorite quotes in the world is um, Marianne Williamson, and it's, you know, um, uh, it's, look it up, it's, it's about who am I not to be brilliant, beautiful, you know, who are you not to be? You're a child of God. Mm -hmm. Your playing soul does not serve the world. And when you, you know, step up and you give others permission to do the same, when you speak out and when you're authentically yourself, um, it's courage, you know, accessing courage and accessing. Um, so I would love to see programs started for teenagers and young adults to really have them getting together and having these conversations, you know, how can, and asking their friends, you know, how can I love you? How can I show you love? How can I understand you? What's going on with you? And having real conversations instead of all the superficial, shallow things about, you know, what kind of clothes they're wearing or what yep. brands they have or what. And like I said, I did branding. I've, my entire life has been is making people want to buy things and, and doing branding and, and manipulating people into illusions of these things that make you better. And at the end of the day, the kind of clothes you're wearing have nothing to do. It's the content of your character that actually matters. It's who you are on the inside, in your soul, and who you're being in the world, the ways of being that you're accessing that allow you to make a shift in other people and so showing up as your authentic self is the biggest gift you can give to other people because it gives them the space and creates the space for them to do the same and um, I don't know how we change that so <laughs> it, that's where I'm in the question at right now and constantly trying to figure out a way I, I feel like I've done an excellent job with my kids in teaching them to be authentic and teaching them um, and they send their friends to me all the time, and uh, you know, for for advice and for you know, they bring out their friends to me a lot. And I've created a safe space where they feel safe to come to me, and you know, and I love that, and that makes me feel like I've done something right as a parent and as a mom that my kids trust me enough to send their friends to me when they're you know in crisis when they need something, just you know, somebody to listen to or talk to, or just a, a spiritual guidance or whatever. And so I consider that. A huge honor and gift. Do you think the first step of doing that is being true to yourself and being self-aware that you're you're first and foremost open about the things you go through and struggle with and everything? Or what's kind of the first step of creating that open environment? Um, I, and I think that's it. Being authentic. I, you nailed it right there. Um, for so many years, I put on this like my life is perfect, you know, and I wanted everybody to think that. And I didn't want people to see the messy. I didn't want people to see that I wasn't perfect. I didn't want people to know that I struggled and that I struggled with depression like and anxiety for years. Like I was really suicidal for a long time. And, and people didn't understand it because my life looked really great because I was really great at creating the illusion. And um, we do that so much. And so now I really, um, people call me all 
people come to me when they're in their shit, excuse <laughs> my language, but when they're really down and out because I've created a safe space for people to be authentically them and to really come from a place of non-judgment. And, um, and it, it took me because I used to be incredibly judgmental. I was raised in a religion that's all about judgment. That's about, I mean, it's just constant judgment that um, for such a worm as I, you know, I'm nothing without God. Everything is without, outside of me that, that I have no intrinsic value without God. And um, so I sat in judgment of everybody. You know, I've judged people and, and I've really, that's been one of the things that I've really worked on the most is to let go of judgment. And that starts with judgment of myself and just knowing that I'm not perfect and I'm never going to be, but I'm perfectly perfect in my <laughs> imperfections. So it's a little bit of a, uh, a play on words there, but I am perfect in my per imperfections and I get to be messy in life and I get because I'm human and part of the beauty of this entire human experience, we're really spiritual beings here having a human experience and to be human and to experience the humanity of all of it means to experience the joy and the sorrow, the anger and the pain and the happiness and the, and experience it all, to experience and, and embrace all of the emotions and, and experience the entire depth of emotion. That's, that's what it means to be human, is to just experience it all. And when we learn that it's not all, you know, unicorns and rainbows and <laughs> And I wish that it was, but it's not. Um, there's so much beauty in the struggle as well, especially when you can take that struggle and you can turn it into really something powerful. And I always say, take your pain and turn it into power and use that to propel you, you know, into your greatness. Take your victim and become a victor, you know. Um, and that's, and it starts with really looking at yourself and saying, I'm not perfect. And it's perfect. <laughs> and it's okay. I don't have to be, and uh, and knowing that, because that was that was probably the biggest thing was to let go of, and I still struggle with my looking good conversation. Mm -hmm. I do. Um, I I want to look good, you know. I'm almost 50, and it's really hard getting older, <laughs> and um, and you know, and but I'm learning to love um, all the the freckles and the wrinkles and the the lines and the things that come <laughs> along with with aging. <laughs> Because it beats the alternative for one. I, there's a lot of times I could have been dead. You know, a few years ago I didn't know if I'd live to make it to 50. Yeah. And now I'm in perfect health. I'm in really healthy and and vibrant and full of life. And I just um, so I'm grateful for all of it. And I'm learning to look in the mirror and love what I see because I know that it's a lot less about what's on the outside and a lot more about what's on the inside and who I'm being in life and who I. Am. And if I can access that inner beauty and really shine that out in the world, it doesn't matter what I look like on the outside because people are going to see the truth of who I am. That's a really, really profound thing to say. And as we, as we wrap up this podcast, if there is a one piece of actionable advice or question you want to leave the audience with or it's something they need to do uh, going forward, what would that be? Um, a practice that I've really started is I, I wake up every morning and um, I just start out with uh, gratitude um, and think of the things that, that I love about myself and the things that um, I'm grateful for. And then I have certain goals that I've set for my life and I ask myself every day is what I'm doing today 
effective in having me have my goals and my vision for the world happen. And I have a big vision for the world. <laughs> so every day I wake up, and some days that means self-care. That means taking a day and doing nothing and resting and relaxing and loving on myself and just being okay with just being lazy for a day. <laughs> and then some days that means drag yourself out of bed, get up and go run five miles, hit, hit the road and get your stuff done and, and do whatever it takes to have it happen. And, and to always, always commit to being your word. So when you give your word, um, make that really matter and make that your bond. And um, it's, those are kind of the practices. I live my life by the four agreements. Um, I guess if I could give anybody advice is read the book, The Four Agreements. I think it should be required reading for humanity. And that's how I live my life. And I try to live my life. Um, I do my best, uh, <laughs> which is one of the agreements. And sometimes I fail. And I wake up the next day with a new opportunity to start again. And so I would say get the book, The Four Agreements, and read it. And try that. It's a little simple step. And then ask yourself every day, is what I'm doing today effective in having me have the life of my dreams? And if it is, keep doing it. And if it's not, change it. That is amazing. Well, you guys heard it here first. Lois, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Make sure if you guys like anything you heard, make sure to take a screenshot, share it on social media, and let's have an open conversation about it. Let's actually talk and form these relationships. So again, thank you for hopping on and see you guys tomorrow. Thank you so much. I appreciate <laughs> it.